Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Natural Running Network. My name is Richard Diaz, and I'll be your host. What I hope to do is introduce you to some amazing athletes, luminaries from the sports science community, and as come to be expected, I'll also provide some highly opinionated rants on all aspects of endurance sport and my current favorite, obstacle course racing. So sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. I have the great pleasure, finally, to have Faye Stenning on the podcast with me, and really looking forward to this conversation. Faye and I have never met up until this point. We've had a chance to chat for a few minutes prior to this going live, and well, let's just bring him on. Faye, say hello to everybody. Hi, everyone. So, Faye, you were literally killing it all season long last year, and you know, I was fortunate enough to be at a couple of events that you were you were out there rocking it. And uh, my first question for you is, how healthy are you right now? Um, I'm I'm pretty healthy. I'm pretty good with sort of staying injury free, um, other than a shoulder injury, which shoulders it's been it's been kind of hard to train the obstacle specific stuff with this injury but I, i'm a firm believer that the good runners and the really strong aerobic tanks are winning these races so i just feel happy that i haven't had any like lower extremity injuries in quite some time so i'm feeling like really fit and really healthy in that sense but this shoulder injury is just going to be one of those little nagging things that i think i'm going to probably have to deal with for for the rest of the time I'm competing in this event. So, but yeah, I would say I I give myself maybe a nine out of 10 right now. Nice. Well, it's early in the season, clearly. And I I see that you haven't raced this year. No. So like last year I was racing kind of at the beginning of the year, um, in January and stuff, just, um, well, it was cold in, in where I'm from and I wanted to get to some hot destinations. So I did like the SoCal, and did some fun races um, with my sister, and we had a girls' trip in Vegas, so I decided, oh, I might as well race in Vegas. So I kind of got swept up into doing all these races, which kind of worked to my benefit because I hadn't yet been signed on the pro team. So when they were making their decisions about who to sign, they could sort of see that I was doing well in these races, and um, then I got signed on the pro team. But this year, obviously, my I have very... Um, you know, my goals are really specific to which races I want to peak at, and I don't want to spread myself too thin. So I really, like, periodized my training around some, some key events. So, yeah, I'm going to try and shorten up the season because I did find come October I was really ready for it to be over. So a comment you made opening up, and I wholeheartedly agree with you, the idea that these events are won by runners and the bigger aerobic machine is more likely to win the day. Would you feel that it's important for elite athletes to get on some pretty serious volume going into the season? Yeah, I think so. I think that the most one of the most important parts of your training is just that base season, so just building that aerobic base so that that long slow distance. I think that just sets you up so that you you can um you just start coming into the season as a kind of a better athlete and you're able to um kind of you're you're able to withstand your training you're able to do two a days and maybe even three a days and not get quite so fatigued 
um, as stronger aerobic athletes always going to recover better. So just kind of starting the season with some good volume and then kind of ramping that up in, in a safe manner. So you're not getting any injuries or anything. Um, but having a really strong foundation because once we get into race season, it's really hard to put those high volume weeks in because you don't want to take the risk that, you know, coming into a race with tired legs. So it's kind of like, this is the right time to be ramping things up. Now, I know that you ran cross-country in college and school. Could you give me some numbers? I want to try to wrap my head around how fast you are, 5K times. Numbers. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I was not I was really good at a really young age and did super, super well, and I kind of struggled through university, but I was like a 947 3K, um, 1706 or 095 k which isn't that good because my 10Ks, that I ran this year, I think I split faster than that through the five. So my times aren't, I know I could run a lot faster. And then I've ran like a one twenty one half. Um, but the times that I ran last year when I was OCR racing are by far better. I have a 3540 or 3550, 3540 or 3550, uh, 10 K. And, um, that's probably, I, I'm sure if I raced a half and stuff, I'd be well under 120 and well in the 16s for the 5Ks. I just kind of hate the road. So even though I, could, I know I could get some personal best times, I just don't even want to go there. So, <laughs> And I honestly don't think, I mean, having these fast road times is, is really great and it looks really cool. But when you're looking at the top athletes in the sport, they don't have that great of road times. Like, I mean, Lindsay Webster's dominating, and I know she's not that quick on the road. So there's something to be said, I think, for specificity in terms of the trail versus the road. I know Ryan Atkins, he doesn't have anything crazy on the road. And you look at Ryan Woods, who has like a 1345 on the road, but he's not dominating. So my point, I guess, is that the, the road times, I don't think they're as strong of an indicator of success in obstacle course racing as people maybe think. I think that's probably a valid point. Uh, I was just trying to get a sense of where you've been. And, you know, as a spectator, watching what's going on, it's really tough because there's no splits that are coming back to you. Yeah. No sense of what the pace looks like. Yeah, but, that's what's so fun about racing it is I used to go crazy when I ran track and and even cross country with these splits and stuff. And I used to drive myself nuts and I would find I'd give myself like panic and anxiety tax in the middle of the race if I didn't hit my splits so I do I do actually kind of really like that part of the racing but it's hard I think to know where people are and for coaches as well a couple other technical questions if you don't mind sure do you spend any time tracking heart rate while you train no I don't which is crazy because I know a lot of my friends do and I like it's a big thing right now but I don't at all I um I kind of just go off perceived exertion, I guess. You know, I have my days that I, I want a, a 10 out of 10 workout, and then I have my recovery days that are five or six, and then I have days that are seven, which are kind of in between. But I don't track heart rate, and I'm not very tech, tech techy. Like, I don't, my watch doesn't even do anything except for a basic stopwatch. So I don't, which I was sort of starting to think this year maybe I should, but. Well, you're not the only one. I, I know a lot of the uh, the elites that, especially those that have come up through track and field in in university, they they just never did. And yeah. That's not how they roll. But you know, I mean, 
clearly, being in my business, I like to look at data. Right. Uh, I think that when you get to a place, this is just me talking, right? Yeah. I think when you get to a place where you start to plateau and you're trying to find solutions, and then a lot of people, they'll either think, okay, so the missing ingredient is either volume or intensity. It's the two Mm -hmm. things they could draw upon, where, in fact, the metabolic pathway is just you're beating your head against the wall and and you're getting good at it, and then you get to a place where it doesn't change anymore. Right. And that just becomes one more thing to look at that might help Mm -hmm. you to bust through that plateau. It's just spooky for guys and girls that are not used to having success with that type of approach. Right. Uh, Yeah, no, I think it'd be good and just just to look at certain workouts and your heart rate response to them, like from last season to this season, to see some sort of indicators of, of improvement. But, yeah, and I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, hey, what am I going to do this year to get to get better? And I don't really have, because I haven't really kept track of anything and I'm not super tech me. I don't have, like, uh, any data to really go from. So it, uh, it can be hard to really pinpoint, just like you're saying, what I need to work on. I wrote a piece a while back. I, I call it uh, Training the Dark Side. And... The concept of training the dark side was all about how to contend with this acidic nature of of basically burning up with lactic acid. And I think that that really is the holy grail of training. When you get to a place where you can manipulate that lactate production and turn it around and cause it to be your friend as opposed to being your enemy, then things get really entertaining. Uh, Mm -hmm. It just takes a lot of patience and you have to have a lot of confidence that what you're doing is going to work because you're investing time, clearly, right? Right. It's just like trying to convince somebody to slow down to improve their aerobic potential. And they're right. Th- and they're thinking, how am I going to slow down to go faster? And where, in fact, as they become more aerobic, they actually can produce more work, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, it's it's a leap of faith. And um, I think that the, the thing that I do is because – I've done it for so long now, when people follow the protocols, having tested them, it always ends up putting them in a better place. One day when you're out this way, you should... Yeah, I would love that. I would totally love that. I've never actually even had, like, really testing done on anything, whether it's heart rate or VO2 max or aerobic threshold, whatever, any sort of test. I haven't had anything done, so that would be awesome. I would love that. So, going into 2017... What, where do you expect you're going to show up first? Um, I, like, you know, last year I was second in, in the NBC series at every race except for Breckenridge. Um, so this year I, I'm just trying to win everything this year. <laughs> like I want to win every single NBC race. I want to win every single race that's not an NBC race. I want to win Spartan World Championships. I kind of want to just win everything that I show up at. And, you know, I left my job in December this year and it just came to a point like where I just was like, I don't want to finish the season and think that if I had, you know, a little bit more time or if I was a little bit more focused that um, that I could have done better. I've kind of did that in the past with track and cross country. I tried to take on too many things and I always had that regret, regret, you know, what if I gave it my all? What if I fully, fully dedicated myself? So I kind of made that decision, which obviously was hard when it comes to financial reasons, but I'm ready to just go out and try and win every single race I can. 
Well, I expected you were going to say that. That wasn't the question. The question was, <laughs> what, what is the first event you're going to show up at? Oh, the first event. I'm going to do... Uh, I'd be disappointed if you didn't say you're going to try gonna to win do, them all. Yeah, <laughs> good. Yeah, no, I'm going to do San Jose in April. I'm right. gonna. I was my first race was gonna be April, like the first NBC one, which is the end of April in Seattle. But I just, I, I know those races are super nerve wracking for me. So I just want to have one before that, so I can kind of get the cobwebs, cobwebs off. And right, yeah, cool. And the, I guess the logistics of you being where you are and the weather being what it is, how how do you manage to get the training you need to get done? Yeah, it's been really cold here, um, and it's been hard. I Previous years, I wouldn't go out in this weather. I would just, you know, take an off day or go to go swimming or go cross-training. But I'm such a runner, and I can't get a good workout cross-training for some reason. It's just for some reason I'm the biggest slacker. Like, you put me on a bike, and my heart rate will, will be, like, at 80. <laughs> and I, like, won't go anywhere. So I've just said, like, screw it I'm going to go out when it's really cold and just layer up um, but it comes to a point that it's not that good for you like I've gotten frostbite on my chin this year and that was peeling and the bottom of my ear and so you just kind of you just have to be okay with with some days you're you are going to just have to miss training and because it's so so early in the year I'm trying not to go crazy and let that um let that really upset me. But yeah, some days are, I mean, they're just too cold to go outside and run. And, and that's kind of the phase I'm in right now is mostly just running. So yeah, I just have a few more off days than I would like, but um, I'm hoping that serves me well later in the season. So try to explain to me why it is that Canada is owning these events these days. I mean, uh, you know, between Ryan and Lindsay, now you, uh, Austin Azar has been doing really well. You, you Canadians are kicking our butts. What's up with all that? Especially given the circumstance. I mean, where I live is God's country for training. I mean, my, I was complaining. I was at the track this morning with my people. Six o'clock in the morning, it was drizzling a little bit, but it was about 60 degrees. And that's a bad day for me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, I just think, and maybe I'm just biased, but I just think we're really tough here. Like, it's I mean, like our conditions are brutal, and I mean, people were complaining about the Tahoe, the water, and the swim in Tahoe, and like me and the rest of the Canadians were like, "What are you guys talking about? Like, that's nothing." But I, I don't really know why why we're better, and I, I would almost say, as much as I love Canada and I think that we're really tough down here, I think that it's just it, it must just be a coincidence. Like, I just think that Ryan and Lindsay and Austin. And myself, we're just we just happen to live in Canada. I don't think there's there's really any secret about being from Canada. But I will say, if you train out here for you know most of the year, when you come to Tahoe, that's that's nothing. That's not a big deal at all. It's like home. Right? We also, yeah, we also have like the Rocky Brick where I live and where um, Austin lives. We've got like lots of great great. We got the Rocky Mountains there, and we've got like lots of good trail running and and all that. So so that helps and maybe not being so distracted in like a big city with all the big city stuff going on and you maybe you're just a little bit focused, but I, I don't know. Oh, we got some pretty cool places to train where I live. I'm not I'm I'm by no stretch am I a city guy. I, I think we're we're enough removed but we're like right at the 
part of the Santa Monica Mountains. So, oh, but, nice. Yeah, so we get to, uh, well, for example, Saturday, usually on Saturdays, my, me and my group will go out to do some, some work in, in uh, the canyons. And, you know, it's kind of nice. It's it's not uh, real remote, but, it you know, it's decent. There's no altitude to speak of. But, right. You know. Yeah. Oh, well, that sounds nice. No, I was training in San Diego for, for three weeks in December and, yeah, there are lots of nice trails, and it's just nice leaving your house in, in a sports bra and shorts and not having to worry about packing a whole bag of warm clothes. Right. Have you thought about relocating to the States for... Yeah, I have. I Yeah, I have, and I, like, was so mad yesterday because I, yesterday was our, I have tempo runs on Tuesday, and uh, I was hanging out with my dad, and I had just finished my tempo run, and I was so mad because my tempo run was like the loop that I do was like two minutes slower because you're you're running through snow and it's icy and you have to walk on some parts and I got so frustrated because I just felt like you know it just wasn't a good workout because of the conditions that we have here and I was so frustrated and I was actually talking to him you know about about moving somewhere I know my sister's in San Diego and I'd love to live there I know Hunter and a bunch of um, people and Nicole who's a really good uh, runners well they're all in Colorado um, and for me I just I get so bored training by myself and I have a good group of guys to train with here but they all work so it's like meeting them at the lunch hour on their lunch break and it's kind of um, it's kind of tight for time so I'd love to go somewhere and just really be around people that can push me and and how's it working out so far I mean this relationship with Spartan and being on the pro team you, you're pretty happy about all that yeah, no, it's it's going well. Um, it, I mean, it's been it's been great to be a part of the pro team. Just for they really promote you as an athlete, and obviously getting to send you down to all these these events and not having to worry about paying for all that is is kind of what I need, especially for coming from Canada, which can be a bit pricey. Sure. So yeah, no, it's been good. I know that there's going to be kind of a segregation in the sports, either like seems to me like it's either Tough Mudder or, or Spartan now. And I know a lot of the athletes have been looking at Tough Mudder. I believe uh, Ryan has jumped ship and went off that way. And any scuttlebutt about that type of thing? Yeah, no, I haven't heard anything from, like, Tough Mudder. And they haven't approached me um, or anything. But I don't know. I've just – I've never done – I've done one Tough Mudder. But I just – for me, the types of races, like, don't really appeal to me. Um, just that eight hours – yeah, it's long. Events like that's just too long for me. I, I still feel like part of my as though as although I'm an endurance athlete, like I do have that speed just from have running track for so many years, and I just think that if I had to train for an eight hour event for me, it would it would take away a lot of my enjoyment for it. It's a different type of thing altogether, and I know that uh, Hunter's been talking to those guys, and him and I have discussed it. The idea of gunning up for these long events, I think it's just really taxing on your body, especially when you're trying to make a living at the sport. Yeah, no, I agree. And I'm not really in, even like in the Spartan, like the ultra beasts and stuff, I'm just kind of under the opinion that it's just, I don't believe it's that good pounding the pavement for that many miles for, for that long of your life. Like I just worry that in, you know, in 20 years from now, even in, in 30 years from now, I still want to be able to run. And just the amount of mileage that you put on your body 
from doing these crazy events. I'm just not confident that I'd be able to continue this lifestyle well into my 40s and 50s, and it's something that I want to be able to do, you know, for for quite some time. Well, let me just give you first-hand advice: is it sucks to try to run well when you're 60 years old. <laughs> I found out not run way. well. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say run way. well, but you know, be able to go out there and jog and not have a screwed-up body. I make jokes about it all the time. I get up pretty much five days, six days a week, and I give it a shot. And yeah. some, some days it works out pretty well, and some days it just sucks. But you got to just keep getting up and going out there and trying it. And I'm I'm really lucky because in the course of my own personal education, I've been pretty good about not making a bunch of mistakes with my running. Yeah. Um, I did make mistakes when I was young that cost me, and I ended up jacking my knees up for a while. And But um, now I'm not fast by any stretch of the imagination. But I can run, and I can run without pain. I don't generally. I don't have any knee problems or, you know, typical things you hear people talk about. So I'm I'm pretty fortunate in that regard. But yeah, and I would say I would say that's totally my goal for when I'm your age. As long as I can be running and running healthy. Obviously, I don't have any time goals or anything. But just to be able to get out of bed and put on your running shoes and go outside and enjoy, you know, a few miles of running. I just think is is such a is is just kind of what I live for. So I don't want to screw it up by running all these eight-hour events. <laughs> I just like to be able to wake up and open my eyes and see that I'm still alive and, that, and you know, and then work from there. Right? <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> so talk to me about competition, okay? Now, and I know that you and Lindsay have been, like, really, really neck and neck throughout the, the season last year. Do you guys talk about it? I mean, do you do you mess with each other a little bit or or how's the relationship? No, I don't think so and I don't like I think endurance sports is so a lot aside, maybe aside from hunter but like we're so like we we don't like you know um before the race it's not like we're I don't want even want to call it trash talking but it's not like we're getting up in each other's face faces or anything we're just and we don't really talk about about competition, like it's not like Lindsay and I are messaging each other, even any of the other girls on the pro team. It's just very individual, and it's very, um, like, I don't like to even post many workouts on my social media page or even let people know what I'm up to. I'm very, very secretive, and I don't, I like, I won't even train with my competition. Like, I like to keep it all kind of secret and, and quiet, um, I don't know why. I just I think that that's just sort of my tactic. Um, but yeah, no, we don't talk too much about competing or anything like that. Do you ever think about what it is that they might be doing that uh, could be problematic for you? I mean, do you think, yeah? Do you ask yourself like, geez, I wonder what she's doing this week, and should I be doing that too? Do you have that kind of thing going on? Uh, yeah, like I think I I question like what what she's doing, and and maybe I should be doing some of that, but. I know my body and like, you know, she took Breckenridge race off this year and wanted to just get some high volume training in and, and take that race off. And I thought maybe I should do the same, but I know my body and, you know, I'm educated in, in the field. So I just, I try and, you know, you only can control what, what you do. So I try not worry about what other people are doing. It may work for them and everyone's body's different, but, um, if it was like my choice, I wouldn't even have social media and I would be totally just 
off the grid because it does, you know, get to me when I'm seeing, you know, she's out doing these eight hour long aerobic days and I'm only going out for three or four hours. And yeah, I can get a little bit out of hand, always trying to do more than your competitors because you can see it every single day. I can see what she's doing. So it is a bit hard, but I just try and trust, trust what I have planned out for me and trust what's on, what's on my program. Right. Well, what works for you may not work for others and, and vice versa. So it is an individual deal. It's up, it's up to you. Yeah. So how about your nutrition? You feel pretty good about that? Yeah. I give me a two out of 10 on nutrition. <laughs> Meaning that yeah. you just see, you're like a seafood person. You see food, you eat it, or how does yeah. that? Yeah, um, I am like, I probably eat very similar. I always say to like a stressed out corporate man who works in an office all day. So it's like very much like you know, I I sleep in and like I will I get up and like I work out and I won't eat anything. Oh, no. And I run around all day and I'll like stop at a coffee shop and grab like a coffee and a donut. And then I'm like jacked on sugar all day, oh, running goodness. around, doing who knows what. And then I finally get home at the end of the day. I've been out all day just, you know, training and seeing my friends and shopping and this and that. And I get home and it's like an explosion happens. It's like I'm cooking dinner, but I can't even wait for dinner to fully cook. So I'm like munching on on like a baguette and then I eat like uh, probably like five servings of pasta and then I have a, a small bowl of ice cream and then I'm like watching a movie and then I need movie snacks oh, <laughs> so it's, like, it's so bad but I, I'm really like I'm not I don't eat like an athlete um you know I'm not like packing my vegetables and having all these frequent snacks and shakes and bars but this year I'm really gonna try and change that I just have more time on my hands that I'm not working, so I'm going to try and, like, prepare a lot more food. A lot of evenings, I, I go out to eat probably, like, five evenings a week, like, for dinners. So I'm going to try and stop that and just try and have more snacks available and just kind of make the time to, to eat better because it's, like, it's completely brutal, and I... I try not to show too much of that part of my life on my Instagram page because I feel like it's not it's not supporting a healthy lifestyle but i'm i'm totally a normal person when it when it comes to comes to food and you know i like to have my wine and i like to drink a little bit of beer here and there and i don't know well I'm don't, not... don't worry i'm not going to tell anybody you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know it's so it's so bad but my boyfriend's a holistic nutritionist so I that's what's that. even more backwards about that is like he's dropping the ball yeah, well, I, you know, when he first started dating, he was, like, all into, like, protein and fats and, like, not many carbs and, like, ate so clean. And then now that he's, like, running as much as I'm running, we're running, like, you know, who knows, like, 80 miles a week or something, and I'm dragging him out on all these runs, he's become a way worse eater because his body's finally, like, you know, when you're working out that much, like you need carbs and you want pizza and you want some sugar and you want all those things. And I don't think it's necessarily terrible for you to, to have more of a high carbohydrate diet when you're working out that much. But his diet like completely changed and he became actually a lot of a better runner 
from just changing his diet and actually focusing more on carbohydrates and, and that sort of thing. So we've both, uh, he's kind of come a bit more like me, but I haven't really shifted closer to him, which I think I probably need to. Well, I think there's going to be a fine line that we need to tread here. I don't think he wants to be like you, and I don't think you want to try to be like he was. You need, yeah. You need to kind of figure it out. And one of the things that I've done that I've, I'm pretty pumped up about over the course of the last year, you know, I've been touring around the country doing my run clinics, and we always preface the clinic by doing metabolic testing. And this is usually a really serious wake-up call for most of the people that we meet because, number one, it, it never occurred to them to take a look at the way their body requires energy. Mm-hmm. And by doing that resting metabolic assessment, we're able to show people how poorly they're feeding and how much they need relative to what they thought they should have got. Totally. And yeah. uh, I did that test. I, as a matter of fact, I mandated the test on Hunter just, uh, well, the same day that you saw that video that we put up. We didn't show the resting test, but I, I did a resting test on him first. And we figured out that his staple diet should be about 5,000 calories daily. That, that's, wow. a, that's assuming he doesn't do anything crazy. That's assuming that he only did like a one hour of relatively intense work. And as you know, he's probably putting in two to three times that on average. Mm-hmm. So it's almost mind-boggling to try to uh, figure out how many calories he might get. And, right. And I looked, you know, because I test the women and, and some of the athletes in the sport, and to give you an example, had a girl the other day, she probably ran about 125 pounds, pretty lean, and her caloric requirement, just assuming, again, about an hour workout, was about 3,500 calories. Right. And, you know, when you're thinking about, you know, the whole taboo of carbohydrate intake that everybody feels like they're going to make you fat, so they don't want to eat carbs and they're not getting enough uh, energy in from the protein and and clearly most people are going to shy away from fats. They just don't get enough food. Right. And or the timing, you know, not eating right. a- appropriately over the course of the day and going into workouts without any energy. And it's, it's, it's a... It's a nightmare. No, it is. And, you know, it's especially for females, I find, you know, they, some people, females have this sort of stranger relationship with, with food. And, and what I find is if I'm not eating enough, like I turn into a crazy person. Like it's so like food not only allows you to train at higher intensities, but it keeps you like sane. Like I've gone through some really high um, volume weeks and I haven't fed myself properly, and, like, I turn into an emotional wreck. And it just goes to show that the impact it has on, like, your uh, from a hormonal level is huge. Yeah. So, yeah, that's I think those tests are great to just know what you're burning and what you require. And um, I think I probably eat enough food, but I probably eat, like, 600 calories from when I wake up till dinner time, and then I probably <laughs> eat 3,000 calories from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Yeah, so. yeah. trust me, we need to talk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you talk, you, the first thing you said to me, and it was it was almost funny because it wasn't really a question. I said, so where are you going to be show up first? And you said, well, I want to win all the races I do. Yeah. And when you think about all these little 
tricks that you try to pull into your training program, whether it be uh, the, the new supplement or the, the new training kit, you know, whatever it is, whether it be, you know, the sandbags or this or that or the other thing that you use to try to bump up your training, the thing that's like staring us in the face is making sure that we're fed properly over the course of the day so that our bodies can respond to the training we expose it to. Right. And you get that sorted out, and that's about, if I had to put a figure on it, I'd say it's about a 35% edge over most anything else you would try to do to include putting on more volume in your training. Right. Wow, yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely something that... Because it gets to a point, you get to a certain level, and I'm like, okay, what am I going to do this year to be better? And it's like, okay, like, I mean, I'm sleeping like 10 hours a night. I'm training multiple, three times a day. I've quit my job. Like, what? That was like the one piece that I was like, oh, my goodness, this is the only thing that I'm not doing. And I, you know, made that commitment to myself this year that I was going to do everything I could in my power and Food is definitely something that's in your in everyone's own hands. So you got to get down here. You got to get down. I do. Here. You got to get down here at least once. I, I, I promise will. you, you'll walk away. You'll be spinning. Your head will be spinning with, oh no, I better do this. I better do that. Yeah, no, I I think definitely a trip in the sometime soon for sure. So we're gonna go crush everybody this year. Do you have somebody's face on your refrigerator that you know every time you wake up you need that motivation? I know she'll be doing it if I don't. Do you have that, or are you just like you're self-empowered? No, I don't. I don't use any, like, motivation tactics, I don't think. I, I And that's because I actually just, like, really like training. So even even if I wasn't competing, I would still be training. Um, I, just, I just enjoy it. I probably wouldn't be doing some of the workouts that I have to do. They'd probably be cut in half if I wasn't competing, but for the most part, I just get up every morning and I have good energy and, and I usually feel really good and I'm excited to go train. And I don't really need to, like I said, even if there was no competition, I would still be doing my tempo runs and still be feeling fit because it's just, it's, it's what I enjoy to do. What distance do you prefer? I actually like the super. Um, I would say I'm best at the beast. But I prefer the super races. Like, I like that half marathon, you know, out there for 90 minutes because um, I find that I can, whereas a beast, from you have to really slow down and, and really be cautious. Um, and then a sprint, I find, just stresses me out too much because it's so quick and then if you fail an obstacle. But I like that, like, 90 minutes, I find you can still work out at a, a pretty you can still work at a pretty high intensity and not have to be overly concerned about fueling and pacing yourself, but it's still long enough that it draws out some of those, you know, really kind of those powerhouses. Yeah, I think that that's probably uh, in that super range is probably about the best place to target from being a, a wholly successful athlete, I, I guess is the term. Yeah, that. yeah. Because if, yeah. You, if you have good 10K speed, you can you can gun up for a half, and it's not so far away from speed that you, you you could also do well in the sprints. Right, and just the training, you know, you can do a two three hour long run. You're not having to do like a five hour long run, and and you can still do some fun like quarter mile repeats and them still be pretty useful for your 
for your events. So you kind of get it, you get a touch on a different, a whole range of different workouts, which I like as well. Let's talk about your coaching business. Sure. It's called Grit, right? Yeah. Yeah, Grit Coaching. And you are partnered with another young lady that is also a pretty accomplished runner. Yeah. Yeah, so I partnered with uh, my good girlfriend, Jessica O'Connell, who's an Olympian. She went to Rio in the 5,000 track event. So her and I partnered, and, yeah, we just started this sort of online coaching business. And we have a, a few tiers, just depending on what what level of interaction you require, kind of with us. And yeah, it's it's been it's been a lot of fun to kind of you know it was the first website I've made and designing all this stuff. So it was a challenge, but it's up and running, and we have I think seven or so clients now, and we're hoping to build that. But it's been it's been a lot a lot of fun for us just to meet a whole bunch of different athletes from everyone trying to run ultra events to trying to, you know, break 30 minutes in a 5K. So um, it's been neat sort of seeing all the different levels of um, experience and trying to tailor our programs to kind of fit with everyone's sort of need. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's an interesting business, and I think it's getting to be kind of the go-to business for a lot of the athletes. I'm seeing, uh, well, a lot of the elite athletes are starting to put up their own training sites and and uh, I don't know. It's it's a lot of work. I I uh, I, I do this myself, and and uh, I'll tell you what, it is consumed me. I I am busy with it every day, from the time I get up in the morning to the time I go to bed. I'm I'm dealing with with my clients. Right, and that honestly has sort of become a little bit of a worry for me, to be completely honest. Because as much as I want, you know, to have a business and to help other people, like. I have so many goals myself that require so much time and so much energy. And I'm just hoping that I can juggle the two um, and be, you know, be a good athlete, but also a good coach and make sure that I'm giving everyone, like the people, the time they need. So if it becomes too kind of overwhelming, I might have to slow down. But right now it's great because I'm not racing and I do have some time on my hands. So it's been fun. Cool. And it's just fun meeting all these different athletes, which yeah. is kind of my favorite part, talking to everyone. And Yeah, that's kind of interesting. I, like, like I told you, I just had got off the phone, uh, we're off Skype before we got on, with one of my clients in Zimbabwe, Africa. And so I've got clients in Africa, um, Singapore, Barcelona, um, Australia. They're all over the world. And it's kind of fun just to have conversations with these people and, you know, yeah. get a sense of the type of uh, environments and circumstance that they contend with with their training. Mm-hmm. I have to share yeah. this. I have to share this with you because uh, I share it with everybody. I think it's funny. So on a bad day, I told you that 60 degrees drizzle. You know, it's like, oh gosh, should I go out there? Right. Yeah. Well, my client in in Zimbabwe runs her and her husband run a bush camp and um they take people out on safari and she's an ultra trail runner and um i'm writing program for her and i'll you know i'll say okay i want you to do this on tuesday this on wednesday thursday friday whatever and she'll come back to me and say well look i i can't train on these two days because i'll be in big five country and big five means all the five large animals that will kill you, right? 
Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so, like, we're talking about hippopotamus. We're talking about lions. We're talking about, you know, leopards, elephants. Uh, I, I don't even know what's all on the big five. I think wa- water buffalo is one of those. And so I'm having a conversation with her. I said, so, you know, it's kind of interesting to hear you talk about the idea of having to deal with these these monstrous jungle creatures while you're training. Um, but where you live when you get out and do what you do, is there anything you need to concern yourself with? She goes, well, of course there's the black mamba. And she goes, as you know, black mamba is the most uh, poisonous snake in the world. And they grow to be, what you say, three meters. Oh, my goodness. So they're like nine feet long. And they could stand up on 20% of their length. Oh, my God. And they're predators. So if you're, like, running down a trail and they hear you coming, they will, like, attack you. And they're nine feet long. And she gets out there and does it. Oh, my goodness. That's terrifying. (laughs) I've had her tell me that I had her scheduled to do some hill repeats. In the area she does the hill repeats, there's lions and elephants. So she said she'll have her husband drive the Jeep behind her. So if there's a, pro- oh. there's a problem, she can jump in the Jeep. <laughs> oh, my. That is dedication. Wow. But here, That's it's incredible. drizzling. Yeah, and you're 60. worried about little rain. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. That is crazy. The only thing we have to worry about with animals here is, is bears and I just run with bear spray and oh. I feel sort of safe but that's crazy wow do you see bears would, yeah like we like no one it seems like no one's afraid of them here I'm terrified of them and there has been recent attacks but I run with bear spray all the time and and I you know usually you just stay in packs of guys but you know sometimes the boys will leave me or sometimes and I just I just get so mad because I'm so frightened to death of them. But it's actually, like, kind of helped my training because I have to keep up with these guys. Like, I can't be in no man's land. So right. it's like as soon as we start running, it's like, okay, I have to hang on for dear life. Or if I slow down and I'm by myself, like, I get too afraid. So some runs, you know, you're just you're running with everything you have just to, to stay with the group. Nice. Well, just put a black mamba on the trail and see how you feel. Oh, about my it. goodness. Yeah, that's crazy. I can't believe that length. Holy. <laughs> so let's tell people how to find your coaching site so that we can get you a little business here. Yeah, so you just go to net, cool. and we also have an Instagram page, which is Grit Coaching. And, yeah, check out our website, and you just got to um, send us an email and – yeah, from there, we'll just set up a Skype call with you and sort of see what category you fit into and start writing you guys' programs. So. Nice. Very cool. Well, look, uh, I'm so glad we had a chance to talk, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting you down here and, you know, giving giving you a little bit of what we do here so you'll need therapy when you realize how much food you should be getting. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be broke just with the grocery bills. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you just get your boyfriend to cook for you. You know, yeah, this whole idea of being a holistic uh, nutritionist and he's not throwing down for you, that's just not good. I know. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you. Yeah, I'll definitely have to come down and get some, get some testing done. I'd be so interested. 
And I know you hate treadmills, but we'd be we'd be happy to see whether we get you to do these 22, 23 mile an hour repeats on the treadmill. Yeah, I, I'll I'll make an exception. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you Thank soon. Thank you. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.